If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, where we'll be this morning. We are in a series in Advent that we're calling Advent Conspiracy. And uh, the idea is that each year as we think about what this story really is, as we dig into it, as we search our hearts, that we begin to live more faithfully in line with what it's all about. That it would change the way we give, it would change the way we worship. And uh, this year what we're doing is we're taking... The lectionary is a way for churches to read the Bible. Over the course of three years, you read the whole of the Bible. And uh, during Advent, we're taking the lectionary passages from the epistles, which are these texts at the end, uh, sort of towards the end of the Bible. If you're new to this, this whole church thing, there are these little letters that leaders in the early church wrote to these churches and wrote to leaders to try and help them live faithfully. And uh, what we're doing is we're taking those texts and trying to understand what it means to live in this Christmas season as followers of Jesus Christ. So first week we talked about waiting. Um, we're really, really good at waiting now, right? Everybody figured out how to wait, how to be good at it. You've been waiting in line the last few weeks and you're acting like Jesus all the time. Amen? <laughs> Drove by the mall yesterday and I think you had to park in Eagle Lake to get to the mall. So, oh my word. If, if anybody went to the mall, you should be checked this week. Um, I'm kidding. Last week we talked about peace. So we, the idea of waiting in the Christmas story is we wait in a different way. Um, in the first century, they were waiting for the Messiah to come. They were waiting for the deliverer. They were waiting for this Jesus. And they had all these ideas of what that meant. But when Jesus came, he ushered in the reality that God in human form ushered in, right? Came to save, came to forgive, came to bring hope and justice, a new world, a new creation. Last week we took this word from another text in Peter peace. If we're waiting, what does it mean to be people who are waiting and then to both receive the peace that God and Jesus Christ offers us and then to offer peace? What if our relational world began to look a different way because Jesus has impacted us? And that's what peace is all about. And so this week, we come to a fun one. I'm going to talk about thankfulness. In 1 Peter here, we're going to look at that verse 18 and talk about what does it mean to show gratitude? What does it mean to be thankful? The very first thing that popped into my mind, and I don't know if you've ever done this, but have you ever held the door at a store and maybe you hold it for four or five people or behind you, and in your mind you count how many people say thank you, amen? You've done that too, haven't you? Like one out of five people said thank you. Do they not know how well I held that door open? A couple of weeks ago, we were out shopping and we were over in that TJ Maxx, Old Navy area, and you know where you have to wait for people to walk from the parking lot side to the store side, right? And I'm sure you all wait every time. So a couple of cars in me, there, there's a person waiting to go across, and a couple of cars in front, of, in front of me go, not letting this person go. And I stopped, and like a good Christian... I let the person go across, and then they got to the sidewalk, and my daughters, it's just me and my daughters in the back, they got to the sidewalk, and they didn't say thanks. They didn't give me the obligatory wave, there was no nod of the head, there was nothing, and I got mad. In that moment, like, did you see that she didn't say thank you to me? I stopped my car for her. The idea of thankfulness is something that we lean into day in, day out. As a parent, often you're telling your child, say Thank you. We hear it. We say it. We want it. It's something that we see around us all the time. In the Christmas story, it's right there. Think about Mary. This 14, 15-year-old girl. She receives news that she, 
she will bear the Messiah. And you can imagine in her mind that's both really good news because that's what she and her whole nation had been hoping for, but that's daunting. Right? And her first reaction is worship. Her first reaction is to say thank you for what is about to happen. What does it mean, what does it look like for us to be people who are constantly living into a life of gratitude? And Voskamp, and I've res- uh, recommended this book before, but it's called 1,000 Gifts. Um, an amazing, amazing little book. And the whole book is about the idea of gratitude. And a few of us got to hear her speak a couple of months ago, and she started her talk by uh, referring to this study that Harvard had done. So one of the schools at Harvard, probably one of the schools of psychology, had done this study, and they took this community, mainly of people sort of on the fringes of society who were depressed, who were not doing well, who were suicidal, and they did this study, and they, they, they taught them to say thank you for three things every day. So to journal and say thank you, to show gratitude for three things every day. And in the course of the study, what they found out as these people who were often on the fringes said thank you, showed gratitude, they called it lifestyle gratitude. As they did that, they became less depressed, less suicidal, less apathetic, and they actually became more giving, more hopeful, more joyful. Just in the act of beginning to say thank you. The great thinker G.K. Chesterton says this. He says, thanks is the highest form of thought. That's good, isn't it? Thanks, gratitude is the highest form of thought. So let's read again our passage in 1 Thessalonians, which is a fabulous little passage. It's at the end of this little book, and you can just imagine Paul's trying to say the final things that he wants to say. So it's a bunch of different scattered thoughts, and he says this. First of all, always be joyful. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Verse 18, be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. We're going to come back to that. Let's keep reading through the end of it. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. We've talked about that the last couple of weeks, that in the first century, they were waiting for Jesus to come and make things fully right. They knew in his death and resurrection that the new creation has started, but it still wasn't quite right. Things are broken. There's pain around. They're looking for the return of Jesus to come and make things fully right. God will make this happen. For he who calls you is faithful. Verse 18, be thankful in all circumstances. Listen to some of these passages. Colossians 3, 17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, Give thanks in all circumstances, we just read. Psalm 136, 1, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Ephesians 1, 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. James 1.17, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Hebrews 12.28, therefore let us be grateful. Give thanks in all things. Be thankful. Let's break that down just sort of part by part, the sentence. Be thankful. 
this verb, and you'll see it on the screen there, this verb is eucharisteo. We're going to talk about you. That word probably rings a familiar tone in you. Or you, you see something in it, you hear something in it. But eucharisteo means to be grateful, to feel thankful. And here's the question that I would ask. Why are we often not grateful people? Why do we struggle to be thankful? Ann Voskamp in her book, she says that the Satan's first sin, she says, was the sin of ingratitude. Listen to this. From all of our beginnings, we keep reliving, reliving the garden story. Satan, he wanted more, more power, more glory. Ultimately, in his essence, Satan is an ingrate. And he seeks, sinks his venom into the heart of Eden. Satan's sin becomes the first sin of all humanity, the sin of ingratitude. Adam and Eve are simply painfully ungrateful for what God gave. Isn't that the catalyst of all our sins? Our fall was, has always been, and always will be that we aren't satisfied in God and what he gives. We hunger for something more, something other. Why are we so often not grateful? And I think she gets to the heart of it. Whether or not that really was the first sin, I think ingratitude is somehow hardwired into the brokenness of who we are. That we tend to think that we deserve more, right? I'm not grateful because I think I deserve more. I'm not grateful because I have a wrong understanding of the goodness of God. Think about this story in Luke 17. Jesus heals 10 people. How many come back to say thank you? One. That's us. We tend to be the nine who run away when something good has entered because we think maybe we deserve more. Have you ever had that experience? The gift, you open it up, and as soon as you open it up and you see what it is, there is this sense of not joy but disappointment, right? Like, thank you so much for that gift. I just love it. Because we think we deserve something more. We think we're owed something more. 1 Corinthians 11, the passage that Paul writes to the church at Corinth about the Lord's Supper, about the Eucharist. And it says in 1 Corinthians 11 that Jesus broke bread. And what did he get do after he broke bread? Gave thanks. Eucharist. That Jesus, in the darkest moment of his life, decides to give thanks knowing that he will be walking towards the cross, towards all that that held, all the pain, all the torture, the thing that he does is that he breaks bread and he gives thanks. Eucharist. The word Eucharist has often been tied to the idea of the good gift. The Eucharist, the body and blood of Jesus Christ, is the good gift for which we give thanks. It allows us to see all the things around us for which we are called to give thanks. And that leads us to the next part of this sentence. Be thankful in what? All circumstances. Be thankful in all circumstances. In all things. In normal things. In everyday things. In good things in trials, in bad things. 
There's no descriptor that leaves some things out. It says, be thankful in all things. That's a hard one, right? Do you agree? My bucket of good things that I enjoy, that, I, that are the, you know, God has blessed me type things, I, those are easy to say thank you for. All things, not so much. I love the quote up on the screen from Sarah Van Brethnock. It says, gratitude bestows reverence, allowing us to encounter everyday epiphanies, those transcendent moments of awe that change forever how we experience life in the world. What if we begin to see the whole of life, all of it, from the moment we wake to the moment we sleep, as a gift for which we are called to give thanks? If you and I, even if we just started with three things a day for which we looked and we said, thank you, God, how would that begin to change who we are? Small things, normal things. The feel of your feet on the floor as you get out of bed. What if you started your day by saying, thank you, God, that I'm able to get out of bed? The joy of that first cup of coffee. And for those of you who aren't coffee drinkers, don't judge me. You have your own issues. Thank you for watching that same group of guys Every time I come upstairs from the YMCA after that three-mile torture run, grab my cup of coffee, and it's the same group of people sitting around the table. Thank you, God, for them. What about thank you for the hug and kiss from my nine-year-old as I drop her off at Hoover Elementary? The smell of her hair as you kiss her head. What about thank you when you start your car and it starts? Small, right, but it's good. What about thank you in the places of pain? Close your eyes for one second. And just in your mind, one or two thank yous to God for something that happened already today. Thank you for getting out of bed. Thank you for the meal that you had with your family. Thank you for that fight with your spouse on the way to church. Because you'll forgive and repent later. Thank you, God. And then that, that verse closes out by saying, be thankful, you can... Open your eyes now or else I'm going to feel like everybody's sleeping through the rest of my message. <laughs> Be thankful in all circumstances. And I love this. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ. I believe with my whole heart that this verse is true. And I believe with my whole heart, when we begin to practice this lifestyle type of gratitude, when we begin to give thanks to God for all things, for everything, that we're doing God's will. Sometimes we need to hear that God's will is simply saying thank you to God. 
nothing more, nothing less. That in the waiting of Advent, some of you are waiting for some really hard things. And that God's will is for you to begin to say thank you to God. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. In the waiting, in the pursuing of peace, in the receiving of peace, that we become people who say thank you. Ann Voskamp, when we heard her talk, she said this, it's your choice, doxology or dark. Isn't that good? That we choose to praise the name of God or we choose a life that doesn't see God. Doxology or dark. Crossview, I want to encourage you to try this week, one week, three thank yous a day. That's not big, is it? Write it down, journal it, Facebook it, Twitter, whatever the 1,800 other things out there are. Three things a day that you're grateful for. And see what God begins to do, begins to do in your life. Gratitude changes perspective. Gratitude turns our hearts towards a good and loving God. Gratitude opens our hands with mercy to those around us. If you're grateful, you're not fearful. If you're grateful, you won't be selfish. If you're grateful, you'll see hope and you'll live as a person of joy. What we want to do as we close here, we've tried in this series of Advent to close the service in a little bit different way so that we take something, we walk away with something different. So we've made a video of a few of us, a few of Crossview folks just simply saying thank you. Um, and it's a fun little video. And then after that, the band is going to lead us in a hymn of gratitude. In the first part of the hymn, you're just going to sit there, take it in, sing along if you want. And then we're going to stand and we're going to close with the doxology together. That we, this week, try this one week, would be people who live lifestyle gratitude. That we would be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will. Amen? Jesus as we thank you, as we live lives that express gratitude to you, God, would you receive glory? And Lord, I pray that your spirit would change us into the image of your son. I pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.